0: And welcome to episode 45 of the Vegan Business Tribe podcast with myself, David Pennell, co-founder of Vegan Business Tribe. And if you have a vegan business or you're just thinking about starting one, then Vegan Business Tribe, well, we're here to support you and to inspire you, not just to build a vegan business, but to build a successful vegan business. So what's the latest from vegan business tribe at the moment? Well, I'm actually really excited because this weekend is Global Veg Fest. And Vegan Business Tribe is actually opening Global Veg Fest with two events back to back on Saturday morning. So this is an online event. And first, I'll be speaking on how to run a successful vegan business for about a 45-minute session, and that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about and deliver. But then we'll be going straight into a panel discussion. Discussion on how to start a vegan business. And I'm going to be joined by three of our Vegan Business Tribe members. So Keith Lesser from Vegan Accountants, Mitali Depaketha from Let's Tell Your Story Publishing and Steve Hutchins from Do Good Vegan Dog Food. And we'll also be joined by a fourth panel member who is my very good friend Trevor Banerjee from The Freedom Switch who helps people go from being employed to running their Own vegan business. And we featured Trevor before on this podcast, so we're expecting that this will be an amazing panel discussion. And if you want to watch the events live, just head to vegfest.co.uk this weekend and click on the link for Global VegFest to find out all the details. Now, You can watch for free, but I would really urge you to buy a virtual ticket for the weekend just for £5 or £10 to support the amazing work that the VegFest UK team have been doing in just giving us such a powerful platform to not just ourselves, but vegan activists and speakers at a time when in-person events have just been Impossible. So if you've got a little bit of spare change to buy a virtual ticket, I know that Tim and Pete and the entire team over at VegFest UK, they will really appreciate that kind of support. Now, apart from ourselves, there is an amazing lineup of online speakers at this event. So from the business world, we've also got another one of our great friends, Katrina Fox, and she is running her own Vivas panel session featuring some some amazing vegan women leaders. But there are also many animal rights activists and vegan speakers, so you could basically just spend the whole weekend listening to some of the most exciting people in the vegan scene right now. All for a tenner. If you miss the live sessions, then we will be also uploading both the talk I'm giving on running a vegan business and also the panel discussion on how to start a vegan business into the members archive on the Vegan Business Tribe website for our members to watch back but I'm not a member yet, I hear you cry. Well, maybe it's time to do something about that so that you can get access to all this amazing content that is really going to help you grow your vegan business. Because as I have said so many times on here now, if you are just listening to the podcast every week, but you haven't checked out the rest of Vegan Business Tribe, then you are missing 90% of everything that goes on at VBT. You are missing out on our community hub, where you can get support from the other members, including myself and Lisa. You are missing out our networking meetups and business clinics on Zoom. You are missing out on the member-only content and the goal-setting and accountability group that we have. And on top of all that, you're missing out on our full marketing course for vegan businesses. So if you think that now... Is the time to get serious about growing your vegan business? Then go take a look at the website and look at becoming a member. It's going to cost you about the same as buying a cup of coffee a week from your local coffee shop. And at the moment, anybody who signs up, they also get a free 30 minute one to one with myself and Lisa. Not just to welcome you to the tribe, but also to see how we can help your vegan business. give you feedback on your idea for a business if you haven't launched yet. Okay, so today we're going to cover something a little different because I want to focus in on a specific vegan sector. Now, I know that this might put off some people because if your business does not operate in this sector, then you might think this is just not going to be of any interest to you. But looking at how Any sector is changing because of veganism is really relevant, no matter what business you are in. Learning how customer demand is changing is really important because it gives you a better understanding of a vegan marketplace as a whole. And we're trying to make you not just amazing vegan business people, but also experts on vegan consumers. And the sector that I want to look at today is what impact veganism is having on the fashion industry. Now, we've got a number of vegan business tribe members in the fashion and accessories scene, and I think it's fair that we just give a shout-out to a couple of them, especially Venita in Hong Kong from GNL, or Genuinely Not Leather, who is doing some amazing work with sustainable handbags made from things like teak leaf and other vegan alternatives to leather. We've also got Keishan from Ethica Living, Mita from Story 81, and Sam Barker from Clever Cotton, who is Vegan Business Tribe's Master Vegan Knitter, and is just about to open her new shop in Blythe, which is just up the coast from Newcastle upon time, here in the UK. And it's how and why the vegan fashion market has been growing over the last few years that I really want to talk about today in this session. Because I get a lot of people asking me which sectors I think, beyond just food, are going to be the next big thing in vegan. And I often talk about how the vegan pet food market is really about to explode and vegan child and baby is going to be another one of the great markets where we're going to see a lot of growth over the next few years. But one of the markets that I don't talk about enough is fashion and accessories, because it is huge. It's an established sector where vegan options are really starting to gain traction. So, how big are we talking about? Well, The Vegan Women's Fashion Market Size, Share and Trends Analysis Report by Product, Distribution, Channel, Region and Segment Forecast 2020-2027. to Gosh, you see, I read these kind of reports and tell you what's in them just so you don't have to. But this report... However long that name was, by Grand View Research, it valued the size of the global vegan fashion market at nearly 337 billion US dollars. By 2027, they are estimating that it will have increased to 1095 billion dollars, and that's more than tripling in less than six years. Looking closer at their breakdown of figures, the vegan footwear segment is currently leading the marketplace, and that accounted for over 40% of the sales in vegan fashion. But then looking at where in the world is currently buying vegan fashion, North America dominated the market, accounting for nearly 35% of the global sales in 2019, which isn't surprising with just the vast amount of vegan consumers that we can see in North America, especially in the US. But demand in Europe is expected to grow the fastest, with the UK and Germany showing huge growth for vegan fashion and accessories. But... We're seeing a lot of growth in other countries as well, and some countries that we wouldn't normally associate with a vegan lifestyle. So a recent survey by the Material Innovation Initiative showed that 90% of urban Chinese shoppers prefer animal-free leather. And it's interesting that in this survey, the initiative used the term next-gen leather, which encompassed both plant and synthetic leathers. But the number one reason that these Chinese consumers said that they preferred next-gen leather was quality. 72% gave this as their main reason, while 63% also stated that it was because of animal welfare personal expression and cost, they were also leading factors driving this consumer shift. But many of the shoppers also believed that next-gen leather was just simply more fashionable. This is really important. China is is a huge market in the fashion sector. In fact, it's one of the industry's biggest revenue generators. Sales in China make up 44% of the world's fashion market. So you can understand why so many companies are taking note of this shift away from animal products by China's shoppers, and why this is going to be a potentially huge new marketplace for companies making vegan fashion and accessories. But it also gives companies a challenge, because many fashion companies, and especially established non-vegan brands, they don't fully understand what does and doesn't make a product vegan. Leather, that's the obvious one to spot. So if a product is made from the skin of a dead animal, then it's obviously not vegan or cruelty-free. But there are lots of ways that animal-derived products and components can still make their way into the items that we wear. Even if you choose non-animal leather, the process that some leather products go through, and especially if it's synthetic leather, can still include animal derivatives in its manufacturing process. And sometimes synthetic leathers can actually be coated with a finishing spray containing ground-up animal leather to give it a more authentic look. And I know, it's bonkers. You buy synthetic leather and then they spray it with leather. And many adhesives and glues include collagen, fabric dyes and finishers They can be made from crushed insects and even cuttlefish. Printing inks. They can contain gelatine from animal hooves or shellac from the lac beetle. Even zips and fasteners can be coated with anti-corrosives that contain lubricants made from animal fats. And I've said this before, animal products are genuinely gruesome, but they find their way into absolutely everything, simply because they are cheap. They are seen as a waste product from the meat and dairy industries. And when you are killing such a huge number of animals, you will find any way you can to get rid of the bits of those animals that are left over that people won't eat. Their skin, their tendons, their feet, their bones. I don't think we need to go on, do we? And this is why we have seen a number of high street fashion retailers looking into third party certification just to ensure and prove to consumers that their products are actually vegan. In 2019, New Look in the UK became the first high street fashion retailer to register with the Vegan Society's Vegan Trademark, which is usually a scheme associated with food products. In fact, New Look registered over 430 of their garments and accessories. In 2020, Gola registered their new vegan trainers with a Vegan Society trademark, followed by Superdry and even the supermarket giant Asda announced that all their ladies' bags are now registered with the Vegan Society's trademark. And just looking through the society's directory today, they currently have about four and a half thousand products registered in the fashion category. And that is, and and this is mind-boggling, but that's almost double the number they had at the start of the year. And there are A number of reasons behind this growth in vegan fashion. Now, first, consumers are realising that animal agriculture is one of the major contributors to climate change. Research shows that leather produced from a cow's skin is nearly three times as harmful to the environment as vegan leather is. Wool production and the process it goes through, that's twice as harmful to the environment as polyester. And if you do ever get the opportunity to talk to our member Sam from Clever Cotton, she will also tell you how cotton is an even better material than polyester. But the second reason why vegan fashion is just growing so quickly is because of the ethical awakening that many consumers are going through right now. People have traditionally protested against companies selling clothes made from fur, for example. But they wouldn't think twice about buying a pair of leather boots. But leather, as we know, it's just fur without the hair. Leather is one of the biggest killers of animals in the fashion industry, claiming over one billion lives each year. And although it's been illegal to farm fur in the UK since 2020, there are no equivalent laws anywhere on the horizon to ban farming leather. Probably because, as I said before the skin of a cow is seen as a waste product and much of it comes from the meat industry. And that's an example of speciesism at its finest. And people, or rather consumers, they are waking up to this realisation. And that's why we're now seeing some amazing innovations in material sciences. We've got wool made from organic cotton. We've got silk from bamboo and even leather made from cactus. Now, cactus leather is an amazing material because cactuses don't require large-scale water irrigation. It's organic and it produces a luxurious and long-lasting material. You can also buy plant leather made from apples, corn and even pineapples, which isn't just ethical. Going back to the China study, it's just downright cool. Who wouldn't want a bag made from pineapple leather? And this consumer demand for something new is another big driver behind the rise of vegan fashion. Vegan footwear, that is one of the products leading the sector. The number of shoes available that are described as vegan, that's increased by 36% here in the UK and 27% in the US just in this last year alone. And many shoe retailers and brands, they have brought out vegan versions, including Gucci, Nike, uh, Reebok, Adidas, Dr. Martin's even has a vegan range now, and Kurt Geiger, just to name a few. And this is a real tangible change. If you are a long-term vegan, you will know the struggle of trying to get hold of a good pair of vegan shoes. You either had the choice of some cheap pleather shoes, as we used to call it, made from plastic leather that tends to scuff as soon as you put them on, or you could buy canvas shoes that just gave you wet feet the first time you stepped in a puddle. But now you can buy the styles you want from the designers and brands you want, and know that you're going to get a really good quality pair of vegan shoes. And it's worth looking a little further into the public's understanding of these new materials and our relationship with animal based products in fashion. Now, recently, The Vegan Society published a really good report called The Rise in Vegan Fashion, in which they surveyed 1,000 people in the UK who said that they regularly purchased new clothing and accessories. The gender and age sample of the people they surveyed, it was fairly balanced. And one of the first questions they asked was about people's understanding of how leather specifically was sourced around 20% of the people who responded said that they'd never actually thought about where leather comes from, which just goes to show that we're facing the same problem that we find in the dairy industry. Leather is ubiquitous. We've grown up with it just like we have with cow's milk and cheese. And it's interesting that some of the fashion companies even have animal welfare statements saying that no animals are harmed during the manufacture of their products, even though those products are made from leather. Now, I assure you, that no animal survives the leather making process. But these companies make those statements because they source their leather as a byproduct of the meat industry. And they're just trying to make their customers and probably themselves feel more comfortable by saying that purchasing their leather products is fine because, well, the cow it was taken from was already dead. And again, We come to this idea of speciesism, that killing some animals is fine for fashion, whereas killing others is just not. It's the same that we find with animals killed for food. Now, in the same Vegan Society survey, 54% thought that leather from calves was cruel. 61% said that fur was cruel and 57% said leather made from exotic animals like snakes or crocodiles was cruel. But only 37% of people thought that leather from cows was. This did change, though, when you looked at the respondents by age, with nearly half of people aged 13 to 30 thinking that leather from cows was cruel. The Vegan Society's report, it is an interesting read on how people's views are shifting on animal products in fashion, as that difference in respondents by age just goes to show. It is generational. And the report goes further into these customer preconceptions around the materials used in our fashion. Interestingly... Around 25% or one in four of the respondents said that they had not heard of plant leather before, but they were interested in purchasing it now that they had. And in fact, if you tally up all the survey responses, only 17% of respondents said that they were opposed or were not planning to purchase fashion items made from plant leather in the future. That's over. of shoppers being open to the idea of buying items made from plant-based leather alternatives. And not only were they willing to buy them, over 70% said they'd be willing to pay more for them too. But this figure came with some caveats. First, they said they'd only be prepared to spend more if the quality and durability was as good as animal-based leather. And second, if it was proven to be more sustainable or proven to be more ethical. Less than 15% said that they would not be willing to pay more for plant-based leathers, but they would be willing to pay the same. As I said earlier, I guess it's my job to read these reports and then tell you what's in them so that you don't have to. But it is worth going and finding the full survey results on the Vegan Society's website if you are yourself in the vegan fashion market. Because we can see from these figures alone that consumer interest is very high for vegan fashion. In fact, nearly half of those surveyed said they would like to see more vegan verified fashion across Across all clothing ranges, but there's still a lot of education needed. For example, over a quarter of people responding to the survey said they would still expect to find animal derivatives in materials like faux fur. Now, that's really interesting and there have been some cases where products marked as false fur actually turned out to include some animal fur as well. But this may also be similar to how different consumers look at meat alternatives. So to some vegans and vegetarians, and especially the long-term ones, the idea of something that replicates the taste and texture of meat, it can turn your stomach. I remember the first time that Lisa and I tried the Beyond Burger, and it was actually really uncomfortable to eat. For us it was just too close and we really struggled to eat them and it might be that we're seeing the same thing with fur. People would rather just move away from the product altogether rather than buy false fur and have the possibility of getting it wrong or having people assume that they're wearing animal fur. In fact, legislation may soon make it impossible to buy animal fur anyway. This year, Israel became the first country in the world to ban the sale of fur for fashion. And two local councils in the UK also banned the sale of fur. And that was Oldham Council in Manchester in 2018 and Islington Council in London in 2019. The British Fashion Council has also taken notice, and in 2018, London Fashion Week became fur-free for the first time, along with many high-end fashion brands. And the rise in fashion that is vegan, it's only going to grow. The last stat that I'll pull from this Vegan Society report is what individual fashion sectors people would like to see more vegan options in. Now, Clothing that was usually made from animal leather, that was at the top as you would expect, followed very closely by bags, backpacks and footwear. But looking further down the list, vegan hats, caps and scarves, that came in at just under 20% of the respondents saying that they would like to see more vegan options in this category, showing that there's still a good market for such niche products. And celebrities have been very quick to back this vegan fashion trend. It has been almost impossible to buy a Telfar bag since Oprah Winfrey said that the vegan leather bags were one of her favourite things and it's been seen as this year's must-have celebrity accessory. Actress Millie Bobby Brown partnered with Converse to create a line of vegan shoes. Formula One driver Lewis Hamilton teamed up with Tommy Hilfiger to bring out a new range of predominantly vegan clothing. Even singer Justin Bieber launched his new fashion line Drew House with a 100% vegan range. The vegan sector even has our own fashion awards now, with Peter's Vegan Fashion Awards highlighting not just great products, but companies who have made the most progress and categories like the most iconic vegan fashion moment of the year, which in 2020 was awarded to Queen Elizabeth II for going fur-free. It's not just clothing in fashion, though, that is seeing a lot of ethical improvement. Vegan environmentalist and industrialist Dale Vince recently launched his latest company, Sky Diamonds, who are manufacturing diamonds from carbon captured from, you guessed it, the sky. Now, Having already revolutionised the electricity supply market with his company Ecotricity, and UK football with the League One vegan club Forest Green Rovers, our very own vegan Willy Wonka, he's done it again with precious stones. And actually, because these diamonds are created by a mechanical process that takes carbon from the sky, they are arguably better quality than diamonds dug up from the ground, and they've got none of the human or environmental impact. So this brings us back to a common theme in these Vegan Business Tribe podcasts. The marketplace for vegan products and fashion is no different. It is far larger than the number of vegans we currently have in the world. I mean, somewhere between two to five percent of the population identify as vegan, just depending on how you measure it. But the vegan fashion sector is forecast to be worth over trillion US dollars in less than six years. That's just not you and I buying all those clothes. All that demand cannot be coming just from vegans. The huge shift is in the general public, who are all becoming more ethically led in their buying decisions, and also starting to make those connections with our relationship with animals. Leather is the skin of a dead cow. The down in your down jacket, it's not just feathers. It's the softest layer of feathers that grow the closest to the bird's skin, that are ripped from ducks and geese, sometimes while they're still alive. A PETA investigation of more than 30 wool shearing sheds in the US and Australia uncovered rampant abuse of sheep. And PETA has continued to provide evidence showing that it is a cruel and bloody industry. People who do not identify as vegan are choosing vegan fashion options or they're looking for the term vegan to indicate that a product is more ethical or has less environmental impact even if we have to accept that these customers have a degree of hypocrisy in the same way that people won't use a beauty product that has been tested on animals, but they're still happy to eat those animals. For vegans, this just shows that we are making a real difference and potentially a big one. For businesses, it means that if you are thinking of getting into vegan fashion there is potentially a huge customer base for your product. However, as I've already mentioned in this session, the biggest fashion brands in the world, they are already out there trying to capture this market. They don't want to lose their customers. They want to transition with those customers. So you need to make your offering remarkable and connect with these new ethical customers better than the big brands can. And that might be innovation in the products you make. So you might want to create designs for your products that 99% of the population will absolutely hate, but that 1% will love and they will love it with a passion and tell everybody about it. Take Viva La Vegan Clothing. They don't just create vegan clothes. They create statement wear, favoured by vegan activists such as Russell Brand. Or you might want to show how your company is more ethical than the big brand competition. I mean, how can a company claim that they are truly doing this for the animals when they've got a single vegan product and the rest of their range are made from animal skin? The majority of customers for vegan products are usually non-vegans. And as I often say in these podcasts, if you have got a vegan company and you are just selling to people who have already gone vegan, then you're kind of missing the point of having a vegan company in the first place. So, finally, while I'm getting all ethical and campaigner here, what do you actually do if you still have clothes and fashion items yourselves that are made from animal products in your wardrobe? And this is a question that many new vegans come up against. In fact, we even got asked this once in one of our business clinics on the Vegan Business Tribe website. Because when you first turn vegan, you might already have a wardrobe full of leather and wool items, and it's down to each vegan to decide what they're going to do with them. So I was at a talk by vegan environmentalist Chris Packham a few weeks ago and he showed everybody his leather belt. An odd thing for a vegan to wear, perhaps. But the reason he continues to wear it is because that leather belt was older than many other people in the audience. And he said that once it broke, if it ever did, he would then replace it with a non-leather belt. But it still had usefulness and he didn't want to create demand for yet another item to be made. You can compare that to vegan activist and author John Arwin, who tells his story of running down his local high street barefoot and having to hold up his trousers looking for non leather shoes and a belt. Because the moment that he turned vegan, he just couldn't bear the thought of having animal products on his body. Neither is the wrong approach. And most vegans that I know, they would prefer to give their non-vegan clothes to a charity shop rather than just put them into landfill once they turn vegan themselves. Now, I've digressed slightly there, but it just goes to show that we've all got our own relationship with vegan fashion. So let's just cast our eye back over what we've covered in this episode and let's see what nuggets we can take away from what impact vegan is having on the fashion industry. Point one. The vegan fashion market is estimated at 337 billion US dollars. By 2027, it's estimated that that will have increased to 1095 billion dollars or more than a trillion. That's more than tripling in the next six years. Point two. North America currently dominates the market for vegan women's fashion, accounting for nearly 35% of global sales in 2019. But we're seeing the most growth in Europe. And remember, 90% of urban Chinese shoppers said that they preferred animal-free leather. 3. There are lots of ways that animal products can get into our clothing and accessories without us even realising it. That's why so many companies are now looking to third-party verification, such as the Vegan Society's Vegan Trademark. In fact, the number of products in the Society's Trademark Directory under the fashion category have doubled in just a single year. 4. The change in the vegan fashion sector is being led by the younger generation, with half of people aged 13 to 30 responding saying that they thought leather from cows is cruel. Five. The change is also being led by material innovation. Leather from apples and silk from bamboo is just downright cool, and it becomes a real talking point about the products that you've just bought. And point six, there is a huge marketplace for vegan fashion, but the biggest part of that market is non-vegans looking for more ethical options. So how are you going to do something different and innovative to the big fashion brands to attract those customers to you? And that's pretty much it. And as I said, if you want to go check out that Vegan Society report for yourself, just search for The Rise of Vegan Fashion by the Vegan Society, and it should come up at the top of your search results. And on that one last final point about doing something that separates you from the big brands, we cover this specifically in our Vegan Business Marketing course on the Vegan Business Tribe website. How you can make your company remarkable and stand out from your competitors It's one of the best and possibly most challenging modules on the course. And I'm also there to answer your submitter questions at the end of each chapter if you get stuck. So do go check that out. And finally... If you found this podcast useful and you've listened right to the end, so I'm hoping that you have and I've not just bored you into paralysis, then I would love if you can also help share our mission simply by subscribing or following this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. But also, if you can leave us a five-star rating or review, and especially if you're listening on iTunes, because this really helps us get promoted up the search results so that we can get this really good information and help and support into the ears and minds of other vegan business owners just like you. So that really is it now. Please make sure that you go check us out on veganbusinesstribe.com also so that you're not missing out on everything else that we do to support vegan businesses and even consider joining us either as a member for £12.99 a month or as a patron for £99 a month if you're in the position to do that because i would love to hear more about your vegan business or even just your idea for one if you haven't launched yet and your support means that we can keep putting out this podcast every week and keep doing all the amazing work that we do to support vegan businesses worldwide thank you so much for listening we always really appreciate you giving up your time and i will see you on the next one